from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast When I wrote this book I put my heart and soul to it and uh, I was also very very conscious of the fact that uh, it is again kind of digging up a lot of things because obviously again everything is back out there but it is i think very important for me to be able to do it because one needs to respond and respond with as much validation as possible which is why i got uh, a very uh, renowned a very well respected publishing house to publish my book so that there is proper legal verification of everything that i have said so i wrote this entire book in prison but it took over 6 months really for the legal verification that's indrani mukherjee speaking about her book a memoir titled unbroken that's been published by harper collins indrani mukherjee was the co-founder and ceo of the inx media group She was arrested in 2015 on charges of killing her daughter Sheena Bora 3 years earlier. Indrani Mukherjee is accused of killing her daughter with her ex-husband and her driver. According to the CBI charge sheet, Sheena Bora was strangled inside a car and her body was disposed of in a forest around 80 kilometers from Mumbai. The motive for the murder was cited as a dispute over finances between Sheena and Indrani Mukherjee. Indrani Mukherjee has pleaded not guilty to the charges of kidnapping and murder. There are few murder trials that have attracted attention like this case. There have been multiple books, columns and theories about the incident. It also inspired a film in 2016 that has just two stars on IMDb. Can I please have my phone? I need to make a call to Victor. Can I please have the phone? I need to talk to your commissioner. It was in 2022 that Indrani Mukherjee was granted bail by the Supreme Court. Her previous pleas for bail were rejected by the CBI court. and the bombay high court the supreme court while granting her bail said she has already undergone over 6 years in custody and the trial will not end soon the court also noted that the other accused in the case peter mukherjee was already out on bail and so granted her bail peter mukherjee was indrani's husband at the time sheena bora was murdered and is the co-founder of the inx media group over a year after her release from jail indrani mukherjee has released this book in it She talks about surviving sexual abuse as a teenager and becoming a teenage mother. She speaks about her rise in Kolkata, the shift to Mumbai, and her marriage with Peter Mukherjee, then the high-profile CEO of Star TV in India. She also talks about life in prison, the claims made about her since her arrest, and why she is convinced she is innocent. In today's episode, we are in conversation with Indrani Mukherjee about her book. She talks about living in high society in Kolkata and Mumbai. She talks about what it's been like to be at the center of such a high-profile case. Indrani Mukherjee also addresses whether the book is just the latest defense in her case and whether she has been critical enough of herself in the book. So, Indrani, one striking thing about your book is how you put behind things like sexual abuse, teenage motherhood, and the option of becoming a homemaker. You sort of discard those options, and instead, you write about how you. studied and rose to start your own company could you talk about what it was that drove you at that time there were actually um several issues that had i would call them issues because i think issue is a very mild word to use as you would know my circumstances were not the best 
at that time. And uh, I left home. I left Guwahati for two reasons. It was not because I chose a career over motherhood. The reason was, as you would see from my book, that I was pushed to a corner where I could not deal with a situation of having to live under that roof anymore. And I was left with no choice but to move out. Otherwise, I would have ended up killing myself, I think. That is what would have happened. And by virtue of always having been a very, very bright student, I also realized that uh, to be able to be a mother who could really support her children independently, which I always did, despite having got married, you know, more than once, I have always never shied away from my responsibilities, whether it is financial, emotional, whatever. But for that, I needed to obviously make myself financially stable because I was just a student with barely 5,000 bucks in my account. That was not the best time and point for me to, even if I would have liked to, I could not have taken my children with me. One was a little baby, the other was a toddler. So on hindsight, I mean, sometimes it is a question of a practical decision or an emotional decision. It was difficult for me. It's not easy for any mother to leave their little kids and uh, go away. Within me, I always somehow, I always had a very strong belief in my own ability to rise whenever I fell. So... That was something I always knew that perhaps, I don't know whether you would uh, call it a gift or you would call it a special ability. I think everyone has it within them. It is some people find it faster or can see it more than the others do. It is just as simple as that. Barring that period when you were in college and really struggling to get by you speak of a childhood which is of relative privilege you know you talk of dealing with the rich in Kolkata and then you move to this sort of extremely rarefied circle within Mumbai can you talk about that sort of high society in Kolkata Mumbai that transition and what were the differences for you as you made that transition in Kolkata I felt a lot of warmth, honestly, uh, whether it was the family that I was married into. And I must admit uh, that uh, when I was married in Kolkata, that was the only time I really felt that I had a family who really cared for me. So we all kind of make our mistakes and nobody's perfect. I am definitely not perfect. Okay, so I cannot talk about other people, whether they are perfect or not, I am not. And as you also know that I have never conformed to the good girl syndrome. So I'm all right to say I'm a bad girl, but then bad girl also does not, you know, kind of ratify all the allegations that have been made on me. So that is different. Good and bad is very subjective. I don't say I'm bad, but I definitely don't fall into that traditional good girl category, right? So yeah. when I was in Kolkata, I was much younger, right? So when you're younger, it is also much easier uh, to make friends. Also, I felt that in Kolkata, the circle of people that I moved with, 
who are less superficial. I'm not saying that everybody in Mumbai is like that. Uh, because I have really made very good friends, even in Mumbai. I would describe Kolkata as a very, very good phase of my life where I have very good memories. Uh, only thing is that from a professional point of view, I think I got a bit frustrated because I felt that I could grow more in a bigger city. Mumbai became my obvious choice because I had also received a lot of work in Mumbai. And I simultaneously also opened an office in Delhi when I came to start my office in Bombay. So it was almost one after the other. So when I moved into Mumbai, obviously, uh, as Star was already my client. So Star didn't come, become my client because of Peter. I just want to clarify that because there is also this whole thing that goes around. So when I met Peter, obviously, the next decision was to, uh, when we decided that we'd get married, which was a decision taken very quickly. Uh, I stayed back and I settled down in Mumbai. And what I realized uh, that Mumbai is again a land of outsiders. It's a city of dreams. Kolkata is a city of joy. So when we are talking about dreams, some people make it, some people don't. And some people struggle all their lives, despite being a part of Mumbai from the time they are born, to be a part of whatever they wish to be and they don't succeed. And some people come from outside and succeed. It's as simple as that. Bombay is also a place where you're on the run constantly. You're always like on a treadmill, right, if you're working. So I had really very, very little time to socialize. When I was even outside in the parties and, you know, get-togethers, I was always working because in my head I was, I was growing a business. So I was always networking. It was as simple as that. It was only uh, really after that 2015 phase when I kind of, I was not allowed to speak. That is when I realized, oh my God, there was so much of angst amongst so many people. I was actually honestly very, very surprised because I did not even know a lot of these people even existed. I didn't remember them. So that is why I say a section, it's the underbelly of, the high society, but not all of them. There are actually people here from varied backgrounds in Mumbai, some from outside, some who have grown up here, who have really stood by me, uh, whether it was behind the scenes, whether it was out in the open. And when I came out, I have received a lot of support from a whole bunch of people who I have actually written those names in my acknowledgements. You write about how you met Peter Mukherjee while you were out at a hotel with a friend and this sort of whirlwind pursuit of you. And that very romance you write about how was later portrayed as this form of gold digging or, you know, you are basically pursuing his money and that's why you were after him. Did you have to deal with this even while you were in that relationship oh, no, or was no. it? No, no, absolutely not. Never. That is why I was really, really shocked because nobody really ever pursued a relationship you know i had gone for a fashion show with my colleagues and with alec you know who's no more now and i met peter with his friends there and uh, we just first met at work then we met at a common dinner and on the fourth meeting he proposed marriage 
So we decided to get married. The thing was, oh, he was besotted. Is it my fault if he was besotted by me? So I cannot understand this entire thing of if you pursue a man, you're a gold digger. If a man pursues you, then definitely you must be doing some form of black magic. So that was also another allegation, by the way, that, you know, I had done black magic just because I come from East India. And uh, the funniest part is, you know, all these people who went and talked about all this, all the women or men, they have been married several times over. They have broken homes to get married to people. And they have become richer and richer by with climbing, you know. So it's a very kind of, uh, you know, you, when you live in glass houses, you don't throw stones, right? But now I look back and laugh and it doesn't bother me anymore, really. It is, I think, the baggage they have in their heads. It's not in my head, right? So, uh, you know, you talk of this home in Mumbai's Worli, which is, I mean, it's a lovely place to be in Bombay. Um, you have vacations in the UK, dining in the finest of restaurants. What for you were the highlights of that period when you were part of really a cream of society in Bombay? I was actually at that point in time so busy working. The reason perhaps uh, I could even retire at 37 and despite all these challenges, I am still being able to kind of survive. I think I really, really, I am still a very hard worker. When I put my mind to something, I really work hard. I used to travel to the UK because I've got a home in the UK. And uh, I have already mentioned in my book, I am a UK citizen. So I need to, obviously, I would spend uh, six months there and six months here. But during my work period, obviously, I was here because I was uh, not just setting up a big organization. I was also very much into it and I had put my heart and soul into it. And that is the truth. It was uh, just work and work and work, nothing else. And even when I traveled during that period, of course, like everybody else, I would take vacations because you need to recharge your batteries. But then even on vacations, I would still be working, actually. And that is the truth of it. And a lot of people obviously never understood that. And I think some people were pretty offended that when I would go to a party, I did not have time to sit and talk about designer clothes or designer bags because... At that point, even when I'm at a get-together, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do the next morning at work. So the highlight was basically that I was a lot of work. And in between that, if there was a bit of play, obviously, which was very important. Otherwise, you know, all work and no play makes Jane a very dull girl. So, <laughs> uh, But uh, I tried my best to keep the best balance, yes. A lot of your life before your arrest was also used to target you when you were in prison, especially, like you said, your hair color, your appearance, whether you were wearing a bindi or not, what you were wearing. What has it been like to be at the center of such a case? 
for one it's it's a thing about parenting and you know aspects like you spoke about like about being a mother and the second is also like a cautionary tale against being rich and famous that oh you know this is what happens in high society kind of thing right. so what was it for you to be at the center of a case where all these things kind of come together see i have actually also been used to being a part of the media so i know how the media functions right if you're in the media space people don't want to let go of a spicy story right so my story became a very spicy story and became basically a game changer in terms of trps for a lot of people so that was how the story was kind of it was so so out there initially i was troubled i must admit as any human being would that at the end of the day you know, whatever opinions people have about me is their opinion and like i said it's their opinion their baggage they have the time to decide things about me but that's their problem not mine but initially i was uh, upset about a lot of untruths that were told about me so that really bothered me and uh, i was tempted uh, very often at that point to respond through my lawyers but then i uh, took a call that no i shall wait for the right time that there is going to be a time i am going to have the opportunity to speak and it has to be my voice it cannot be anybody else's voice and uh, that is the reason i really wrote the book things that hurt you you tend to put that behind in your head but uh, over a period of time even during my stay in prison it stopped really bothering me all the things that were being said and it really didn't bother me initially yes it did and it took a toll on me emotionally physically mentally but then as you see i'm sitting here now and uh, life's a full cycle isn't it you also write and you mentioned this as well that your relationship with your first two children was hardly a secret at least between you and your partners at every stage in your life so how do you view the allegation that suddenly came out especially after arrest that it was this big secret that you'd concealed without anyone knowing it see i must admit not everyone knew it but there were a lot of people who people who mattered knew about it for example my daughter was you know 4 years old when we were in bombay or even prior to that so at the opportune moment when i'm talking about my younger daughter i had obviously not discussed it with her and at the right moment people who mattered knew about it everyone in guwahati knew about it not everyone but close family and that is how ultimately i mean about the fatherhood bit of it sheena got to know about it around 2011 who her father was and which is when she really really felt horrible about it as also girls grow up when from being a child to a teenager they become women they understand their mothers much more this whole mother daughter thing is a age old history thing you know you have your fights but you can't do without each other it's like that it's the same kind of relationship now i share with my younger daughter now she's a woman she understands a lot of things which she didn't understand when she was younger so allegations are i mean see people had a lot of things to say including the fact that i do black magic 
I wish I could do black magic. I wouldn't have spent six and a half years in prison. I really wish. You know, you mentioned this again, but you've seen the portrayal of such cases in the media, right? For one, I wanted to check, you know, there's been films and things like that. Have you seen these portrayals of yourself? And also, how would you change that sort of narrative about yourself? I'm not interested in changing any narrative. Hmm. That's the first thing. I want to be very clear, which is why I have written a memoir. There's no point. I could have just used some old different names and made it into a fiction, but I took the chance. I just said that I am if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to name every single person in that book. And I have not been shy. I have not been coy about it. I have been very very transparent about everything that i have written including my own imperfections like as i say i do not fall into the category of the you know the so called defined good girl syndrome people may have several opinions again their opinions is their opinion i have no desire to change people's opinions they are entitled everybody is entitled to their own opinions we live in a free country that is fine uh, i only find it uh, very out of character and honestly um, very unprofessional when people talk about fictitious things when they do not have the facts right you know somebody passes an opinion saying oh she's not a good mother is the that is an opinion as opposed to stating things i know at the end of the day there is no good mother or bad mother if you're a mother you are a mother and i shall raise my kids the way i want to i don't tell you how to raise your kids so please don't tell me how to raise my kids and your opinion has no relevance in my life at the end of the day as far as the case goes i will not talk about the case everything will be decided in the court of law as per evidence right so what people have to think about me and then again also when you are at a position that i am in whether irrespective of the case obviously i am somebody important enough for people to write about to interview me to talk about to it is very very clear whether people like it or they don't like it is their problem so i'm going to push you a bit on this one but you know uh, you said that you've been very honest with your book but there is a sort of a thing with an autobiography right it is mostly us painting a better picture of ourselves we rarely do want to paint the worst picture of ourselves that is the rare autobiography and while in your book i felt like there was a lot of regret over things like the failure of relationships how inx played out for you but there's also a sort of portrayal where almost you are sort of blameless in some ways it is that you were on your journey and these were the blips that happened was that a sort of conscious decision or is that how you see things having gone down see i have narrated the facts so now in this it is you know for people to read in between the lines understand for example i have never shied away from saying this whether out in the open or even in my book that when i had left sanjeev 
I think it was my ambition which really made me leave him. But on hindsight, when I look back today, I don't think I should have taken that decision because I had a full family who really not only looked after me, loved me, and uh, made me a part of their own lives. They even came out and supported me when the man that I was married to and his family didn't support me, despite the fact that I was the one who left Sanjeev. I wish I was in a better position financially and economically to bring my children with me, which I wasn't. I wish that. But leaving Sanjeev's family, not so much Sanjeev, you know, you get married really to the family. You don't just get married to the person. That is a regret I think I will always have in my heart because they were really, really, really good to me. And they genuinely cared. So that is one thing I would always say. And which only when you have your bad times is when you understand these things, right? At that point, I think I was myself on a very career high and high with life. And I wanted to achieve a lot of things. I was 29 years old. So I wanted, I knew that I had more capabilities and I could do better. So I will admit that I got carried away. But again, we all make mistakes in life. And uh, I do not believe that, uh, you know, I have tried to absolve myself of these things by, I have admitted it, that these were my mistakes. For example, again, you know, in uh, when I was, uh, I could not give time even to my younger daughter because I was so busy with my career and now when I look back, there were times I do feel that I was perhaps a little bit uh, harsh on her. She could not because Sheena was a very, very bright student. And with Sheena, there was never any struggle because she was naturally like she could study for one hour. She was like me. She could study for one hour and still come back with good grades, you know. But so I used to feel very frustrated when I didn't get the similar kind of this thing from Vidhi. So I think I was a bit harsh on her and I was quite pushy as a mother with her. My expectations are of her, but she has got her own skill set. She's very creative. And these are things I realize now. This book, these interviews, even your participation in the INX case, they can be viewed and they have been viewed as a sort of high publicity defense for a trial that is still to take place. I mean, we are still talking at a stage where the trial is still on. How do you react to that? See, the thing is, my trial is in an open court. All these uh, cases that we are talking about, whether I'm a witness in the case, like in INX media case, I'm a witness. And similarly, in my case, I'm an accused, right? None of these are in-camera trials. These are all trials in open courts where every information has been out in the public domain, right? So obviously in the case where these allegations are there, I have pleaded not guilty. I have pleaded not guilty because I am not guilty. It's as simple as that. And it is in my right, like the way uh, the CBI has, or anybody has put out the charge sheet and all the journalists are allowed to be in the open court to view whatever is there and not only write about what they have to write, but also give their opinions because 
we all have a voice. Having pleaded not guilty, I am in my full rights to continue to maintain my stand, which I will. And you also must remember that as per the Constitution of India, you are innocent till proved guilty. And that is how I would like to be viewed as and looked upon as. So I do not think a public court of opinion has the right to declare me guilty. It is definitely in my right, in my, it's my fundamental right to say that I am innocent. Because that is what the constitution has given me that right. Today's episode was produced by Jairad Singh and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.